This edict identifies Jesus of Nazareth as a heretic and a blasphemer. This season on The Chosen. There are those for whom this will set off a series of events. My followers won't understand. Lazarus, come out! I guess you're not holding back anymore. I can't. I'm out of time. Season four of The Chosen is in theaters now. Get tickets for a theater near you at thechosenriseup.com. The Lord we serve is a great God. He wants what's best for us. I think most of our marriage problems are spiritual problems. We just try to cut it out on ourselves without saying, Lord, I need your help. Holy Spirit, help me, guide me. Let me say the things that I need to say. That was Dr. Kevin Lehman. He's back with us today on Focus on the Family with Jim Daly. And what a fitting topic for Valentine's Day, discovering the secrets to a lifelong romance. And we've got Gene Daly here as well. I'm John Fuller, and thanks for joining us. Hey, we all want to have a marriage where we're free to share our deepest thoughts, feelings, and dreams with our spouse. And when we're dating, it's easy to talk about that for hours. Right, Gene? Absolutely. <laughs> and uh, that's what happens. We talk about those things, and we develop that intimacy, and then we get busy. We get married, we have the kids, and we're paying the bills, and we take care of the house, and the in-laws, and the outlaws, and everything else. And that's why I'm really grateful that last time we started a discussion with Dr. Kevin Lehman on his book, The Intimate Connection, I invited Gene to join us, my great wife, and it was a great conversation, I thought, John. Lots of energy. There was. And we're going to kick it into day two and continue that discussion. And if you missed any of part one, uh, do go online. We've got links to it. You can uh, download it, see the YouTube version, and uh, also get the mobile app if you'd like, uh, all at focusonthefamily.ca. And uh, as was mentioned, Dr. Lehman is a prolific speaker, author, and psychologist. He does a lot of TV and radio. He's been here, I think, 50 times or more, (laughs) and uh, always a popular guest with our audience. Uh, He's written a book called The Intimate Connection, Secrets to a Lifelong Romance, and uh, we're offering that today to you at focusonthefamily.ca. Kevin and Jean, welcome back. Well, thank you. It's wonderful being back. I enjoyed yesterday, and I think I'm going to enjoy today. That was fun, talking about how God made us different and trying (laughs) to do a better job of becoming one. (laughs) It was a lot of fun. I'm laughing about all the one-liners you had, but it was great. Jean uh, has said you're probably one of her most favorite authors, so I'm a little jealous. (laughs) God bless her (laughs) So that's a great place to start But Kevin, one secret you identify That can lead to a stronger, healthier marriage So the listeners are leaning in And that is to understand your spouse's temperament Um, What's that mean? I think I understand that But how and why is that important? Well, you know, we're all wired differently Uh, People come out of the womb differently There's four personality types that have been uh, talked about for years, and that's the melancholic. Now, I'm the guy that wrote the birth order book, and whenever I think about the melancholic, I think of the only children. We're going to do it the right way. (laughs) And some of you are married to people who know exactly the right way to do things. I'm a little offended by that. I wasn't an only child, but... But she knows the right way. (laughs) Afterward, we need to discuss your birth order in your family because there's there's something amiss there that you could do what you've done in life and not be the firstborn. That's a baffler to me. But uh, the cholerics are the do-it-my-way. 
So you got to do it the right way. You got to do it my way. Those guys are psychological first cousins. They're very, very similar. <laughs> so they, choleric in the birth order, where does that usually fall? The firstborn. Firstborn as well. Yeah. Okay. And, and again, all you firstborn children who are listening, you got in trouble for what your younger sister and brother did. I don't care what she did. You're the oldest. I expect more to you. So a lot of leadership comes from the firstborn, okay? And then, of course, you have the phlegmatics. Now, if there's one thing I'd hate to be called in life, <laughs> it's a phlegmatic. It sounds like something you'd get in the ocean that would stick to your skin and you couldn't get rid of it. I mean, I never like that term. But those are those adorable middle children who are the peanut butter and jelly of the sandwich. They're the... The best part, they they mediate. They they're peacemakers. They go with the flow, and and then of course there's the sanguines like Kevin Lehman, and that's do it the fun way. But here's yes. what's interesting: in I, marriage. I identify with that. Oh yeah, there's only one way: the oh, fun way. We're sanguine, <laughs> but you marry the list maker. I always tell people, Sandy and I, we live in a two story house. Her story and mine. <laughs> <laughs> we do see things so differently. Oh, yes. And I call her the Mar- Martha Luther because she's the great reformer. <laughs> she, and, and it's like I'm the leopard and she's going to take out her psychological Brillo pad and start working on my spots. And ladies, this man, it's who he is. Your job is to get behind his eyes, see how he sees life. Your job, gentlemen, is to get behind your wife's eyes and to really to understand what makes Jean tick. And she's not like any other women. So when you and I are talking about women today or men, keep in mind, all men are not the same. All women are not the same. That's your job that God's given to you to be the the PI, the private investigator into what this woman or man is all about. No, it's so true. Let me, let me, let's bring it back to the temperaments because I think it's important that we uh, get a basic understanding that our spouse's temperament can help de-escalate conflict. I mean, it gives you a framework for understanding triggers and other things. Here's the key, and I'm so glad you asked that question, because those firstborns, you know who you are. You know exactly how life ought to be. Your husband's driving, he hangs a simple left-hand turn, and as only you can say, Martha Luther, is, why are you turning here? (laughs) You got a better plan. And so, remember, competition in marriage is not good. Marriage is not a competitive sport. Nobody wins in marriage. And so, my advice is have a good role definition in your marriage. Honey, I'll do this, and you do that, and we'll come together on these other things. Without that role definition, I think you'll kill each other. Well, in fact, competition, that does pop up even when you don't assume that you're competitive. Gene, right. you have a story about that, I think, early in our marriage. I do. That was our <laughs> our first year of marriage. Well, those are always fun. Oh, yes. my. And we... Jim and I were working for a company, and we traveled around the country. This is a great first-year thing to do. Showing uh, multimedia presentations, motivational drug and alcohol abuse. Programs at high schools, yeah. Right. So we went to 17 states in nine months. We had days off. It was great. (laughs) Well, that's another broadcast. That's another broadcast. (laughs) It was was wonderful. I remember one, one time, this is so funny, so Gene... You know, she has attributes where she, she likes a little solitary time. You know, we've been together 24-7 yeah. 
for months. And she said, at one point, she said, I'm going to go to the store and just get a few things that we need. And I said, well, I'll come with you. And she looked at me and said, no, yeah. no, you, you could stay here at the hotel. I'm just going to go do this. <laughs> I, was, I was like, I you don't dying. like me? Yeah. I mean, we did, we'd been together 24-7 yeah. for like five months at yeah. this point. I just needed to go to the store alone. <laughs> anyway, but that wasn't the competitive wasn't part. the competitive part, but it was the same trip. And while we are doing this multimedia show with three large screens. Yeah, it, was, it, it had all these elements. It had, uh, you know, the, uh, what do they call those things? Slide projectors. Slide projector. We had nine slide projectors. We had a movie projector. We had a all computerized had yeah. right. projector. And Jim and I would take turns running the different sides of that. And this day I was doing the nine slide projectors and the reel-to-reel. And if a lamp went out, if a light bulb went out, You're part of the screen would go black. So you quickly had to pull that out and put in a new one. And so that was my job. And and I was trying to do it. And Jim runs over and does it for me. It was like, you know, karate style. Boom, boom, boom. The bulb was in. It was up. We were going. But a couple of things happened. One, I was was put out. (laughs) I was really miffed and felt like, you know, what? I'm not good enough. I can't do this by myself. But I also was really pretty horrified that I felt that. With my newlywed husband, I did not know I was competitive. I was, what, 25 years old mm-hmm. and did not know that about myself until that moment. Fiercely yeah. competitive. Yes, <laughs> it, it I didn't way. realize that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she's, yeah. Well, a lot of achievers in life need to owe up to the fact that they're competitive by nature and many times at their spouse's expense or other people's oh, expense. Yes. Yeah, sure. Yeah, but... Uh, Here's the question for a couple who struggles with competition. Who's winning your marriage? And it should be the other one. Yeah. And right. There's no winner. Right. Some people no are still is. thinking, well, I'm not sure. It's a team it's sport. The, oh. Your spouse that should be winning. This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment. Parlez-vous français or know anyone who does? At Focus on the Family Canada, we have a ministry dedicated to French-speaking families. Sign up for our free Focus Family magazine today to receive marriage and parenting advice grounded in biblical truth. Visit our website, focusfamille.ca, for more resources in French. That's focusfamille.ca. Rendez-vous sur notre site focusfamille.ca et abonnez-vous à notre magazine gratuit. À bientôt! Financial Moments with Tom Copeland. Many investment advisors instruct clients to use debt to increase investment returns. People who use debt when investing will generally encounter one of the following problems. When the markets are down, borrowers are forced by the lender to sell at the wrong time. Proverbs 22.7 warns that the borrower is servant to the lender. Psychologically and emotionally, it is much more difficult to survive a bear market because debt increases your losses. And in some cases, people lose their original capital and have a debt that takes years to pay. The pattern throughout Scripture is for God to meet needs with no debt. In Matthew 6, 31-33, Jesus said, So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. In summary, 
Invest whatever cash God provides and trust God to meet your needs. To learn more, check out BibleFinance.org. Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming. Kevin, let me ask you the, the, the power games that go on. I mean, oh, it's almost human nature. Yeah. I mean, you know, the scripture is pretty clear that we're sinful creatures. I mean, that's how we come along. In fact, Jean mentioned to our boys the other day, and I thought it was a good observation with Troy, our youngest. She said, you know, we didn't teach you how to lie about eating a cookie when you shouldn't. It just came out naturally. That's a great observation. Kids like just it. know to cover up, Yeah, you know, even something like that, like a cookie. Um, but you outline uh, several of the power games that couples play with each other. Describe the game you call Turtle Shell Mamba. Yeah, I like that one because I know if, if I get upset, my first reaction is to get quiet. Yes. That's a lot of men. Yeah, a lot men, of us men we withdraw. Pull in. And it's sort of like, well, you go ahead and do whatever you want, but you can flip me on my shell, but I'm not coming out right. until I, I feel like I'm safe again. What does a woman do in that case when she feels her husband withdraw? All right. You see a pattern. These aren't isolated things. A pattern or a man withdraws. And when he withdraws, you know that something's going on that he's not happy with. It may not be you. It might be something that happened at work. But you say, honey, I can tell that something's eating you. Uh, I don't know if you want to talk about it now. And this goes back to granting your spouse respect. Mm-hmm. Because you may want to talk about it now because you see something going on. But if you're like Jim Daly and you go to well, go to bed early, you don't want to take <laughs> on life's troubles at 830. <laughs> right. That's good advice. Maybe tomorrow would be better, honey. Or surprise them. When was the last time you as a wife sent your husband an email that said, you know, I stopped at Victoria's Secrets and picked up a little something? It's a little surprise for you, but you're going to have to wait till Saturday. Here's a principle in marriage. Anticipation is as good as or better than participation. 1 Peter 3.7 says, live with your bride with understanding. Well, ladies, let me tell you something about that husband of yours. He has no friends. He has associates. Mm. He has bowling associates. This goes back to our arm's length. And and younger men today who are listening, thank the Lord you do have friends now. Men are much better husbands today than they used to be. But some of us, the older generation, middle age on up, a lot of us don't have friends. You're it. And I'm pointing to Gene. Mm -hmm. And a lot of us as men, we have all this stuff that we deal with, and it eats us up, and we need somebody to unload it to. And sometimes it comes out in dangerous forms. So you got the man who's going to withdraw. You got the man that's going to strike back and be angry. One of them I call dump truck, dump truck. Who's got the dump truck? And you sort of <laughs> dump on your mate. It's sort of like you have steer manure and a little dump truck, and you've right. had a bad day, so you're going to find your wife and push that magic button and watch that big thing go and dump steer manure on your wife. And again, you've unloaded your load, all right, but what have you done to your spouse? Or how about, no, honey, you go ahead and play golf. I'll stay home here with your mother. Hope you have a great Mm -hmm. time. Actually, what you're saying is, I hope you lose your three iron and break your seven iron. (laughs) And And your leg while you're at it. But a lot of things are just sort of cheap shots, but they're just, they're symptoms that, hey, you haven't been paying attention to me. You have not been affectionate to me. You haven't been communicative with me. So all these things are going to come to the surface if you don't deal with them. And that's why that 311 we talked about is so important. Last time, yeah. You can Last get a copy time, of that yeah. and download it. But So how, do, how does a couple start feeling like a team? We've 
kind of isolated how the how would they get into this pit yeah. but how do they turn that around I let's think, say, i mean someone listening right now may go home tonight at the dinner table and say honey i heard dr lehman on focus yeah. today i've been thinking about some things and you know i think i've uh, i've made a lot of mistakes so the first thing is is that and you know honey i don't know what i'm talking about i might be way out in left field here but and then you slip her the commercial announcement or you slip him the commercial announcement and i think we've gotten off the beaten path when was the last time we prayed together when was the last time we did this? And and start talking positive instead of negative. Don't be bashing or pointing fingers. Right. Use some I statements. I feel bad that we're in this position today. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, do you feel as close to me right now as you'd like to? Yeah. Well, no. Well, I don't either. Well, let, let's figure this out That's together. Good. You know, we have a, a great uh, intensive program for married couples yes. who are in trouble. And a that. lot of them have signed divorce papers. But one of the things that I've learned just observing that is so much of this gets down to communication. I mean, we just don't uh, learn how to communicate with each other effectively. And in fact, I mean, this is a more humorous uh, component of that. But Gene, you and I had that great communication error when we were at some water park you want to let people know about this is so funny this is classic kevin and i'd love your input on this one. Oh my it doesn't make me look very good um our family was at a water park and we arrived around lunchtime we were going to get lunch we're first in line for a locker and the line all the lines were really long so jim stayed in the locker line and uh, we agreed that I would go to the first snack shack <laughs> and order, probably Some order, lunch. get a table. Yeah. And well, so I went mm-hmm. to that first snack shack and they didn't have French fries to go <laughs> with my veggie burger. <laughs> and I really wanted French fries. So I knew that line was long for the locker. Oh, so this I gets thought bad. I, Hang so on. So I thought I had enough time to run to the second snack shack i can see it coming yeah (laughs) although we communicated at this point and she was going to run along to look for these you know french fries from somewhere and i said okay let's just meet back here at this table this is a huge like 300 acre place and you get lost in this place you're done and so gene said okay let's meet back here yeah and what happened that that place didn't have french fries (laughs) and so they told me the next place so I was thinking I'm probably not going to get to the table in time, but I think I actually thought that Jim would somehow know mm-hmm. that I was sequentially going from Snack Shack to Snack I think she was shack. in another country at one point. And so <laughs> I'm gone, and uh, there's long lines. First and, hour goes by. Okay. No, well, <laughs> I don't know how long it was. And I get back to the important. table, and there's no Jim and the and boys, the boys were long they were gone. gone. And so I realized they're not there. I go to the lockers. They're not anywhere to be found. And I, this is just bizarre. I kind of start panicking. I didn't know what locker they had. My, <laughs> I had no identification. I had no money. I, my cell phone was probably in the locker. And I became like this lost five-year-old little girl and I'm like panicked. I think I'm thinking I'm going to have to sleep in the water park, that they're not going to let me out. 
I'd say fear had gripped you. Fear, uh, yes. And I'm walking around the park for two hours, and we can't find each other. Okay, and and I even went to the lounge chairs where we'd put our towels and stayed there for a while. Okay, Jim, when we finally did meet, what happened? <laughs> well, I had sat there for, uh, literally for maybe an hour and a half, hour forty five minutes. I did. That was like that long, and so then I decided she's lost. My little wife is gone. So I walked this whole water park looking under every bridge on the thing and, you know, every ride. I'm looking at the lines. I must have spent another hour looking for her. I come back to the very table and Jean, Jean and I meet at the table and she's mad at me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she's like uncorked. She's These saying, Jim and Jean stories. How could stories. you leave me? How could you leave me? I'm going... I was here for like an hour and 45 minutes waiting for you. And then I, I went know. looking for you on this 300-acre lot. I've oh, been looking for you for the last okay. three hours. But I don't know if I've ever told you this. <laughs> is this going to create a fight? Wait a minute. No. This is you good. know what the real problem was? Yes, you can't stick to the plan. <laughs> okay, no. And it wasn't. Oh, it is well, going to be okay, a fight. That is a, that's true. I do have a problem we'll with that. We'll meet at the okay, table. I do definitely have a problem with that. No. I was feeling insecure about my body. That's the first time I've ever heard that. Okay. I was. And that made me feel insecure. And that set me off for the whole day. I'm not kidding. And my my body was really covered with long sleeve rash guard and board shorts. And there was only one other woman in the water park who was more covered than me. From head to toe, that is why I went wacko that day. That's what really was the problem. This is the first time I've heard this. I mean, talking about communication, had I started the day by saying, Jim, we're going to a water park. I'm feeling insecure about my body. It would have changed the entire day. It gets back to taking the time to communicate the reality of what I'm feeling inside. And lots of times, for a lot of different reasons, and I think this goes back to how we grew up, how we saw mom and dad, what we brought, the baggage we brought in. I always remind people, it's not two people who got married, it's at least six, because you marry your families, and you marry whatever garbage was there you bring to the altar. And you have to work through those things early in your marriage or you're going to end up paying for it. It's going to pop up from time to time. But, you know, the the Lord we serve is a great God. He wants what's best for us. And like I said earlier, I think most of our marriage problems are spiritual problems. We just try to gut it out on ourselves without saying, Lord, I need your help. Holy Spirit, help me, guide me. Let me say the things that I need to say. Before I came here today at my hotel— I issued a very short prayer, Lord, just help the words glorify you. Mm -hmm. And it's easy to try to glorify yourself or to be selfish. That's the carnal part of man. But it takes that daily commitment to work toward oneness to be a real couple. And if you do, your kids are taking emotional notes, spiritual notes on, on what life's all about. No, it's so true. Hey, yeah, we have covered a lot of ground, but let's think of the takeaways for the listener. What are just three or four things, Dr. Lehman? Uh, you mentioned treat your partner as a gift, making, loving your partner daily choice. Those are good ideas. Yeah. Fill embrace, in the blanks. Embrace the differences. Don't the, let them irritate you. 
Well, the things that you're attracted to early in your dating are sometimes the things that really do irritate you later on. But embrace the idea of oneness. Embrace the idea that you really do need each other. I never told you how much I dislike Barbara Streisand, did I? <laughs> but <laughs> didn't know. She, she sang a song called People. People who need people are what? The luckiest people in the world. Do you realize as a couple you really need each other? Yes. That this is a couple. It's not a competitive event. Yes. And so working together and not pointing fingers but saying, honey, let's work on this together. And that I love you never goes out of style. Neither does basic courtesy in marriage. Yeah. You know, I'm thinking of that either husband or wife, and I'll use the wife because I think it leans that direction most often where she doesn't feel – connected any longer emotionally spiritually maybe even physically she's drawn into this conversation okay there's some things i need to do maybe it's the husband but what would you say to that person where the intimacy and i'm not talking just physical intimacy just the connection between the two of them is evaporated well i know how they feel because i talk with them all the time still and what do they do they feel isolated and they feel trapped they don't know which way to go they're so what's a deacon that drop in of water? the church. They're what? an elder yeah. in the church. What are people going to think? And we have nothing to say to each other. I would love, and we probably don't have time, but I would love to read a poem to you guys. Do it. If I may. It's called The Wall. Just listen to it. And it represents so many couples today, and it saddens my heart to think about this. Their wedding picture mocked them from the table, those two whose minds no longer touched each other. They live with such a heavy barricade between them that neither battering ram of words nor artilleries of touch could break it down. Somewhere between the oldest child's first tooth and the youngest daughter's graduation, they lost each other. Throughout the years, each slowly unraveled their tangled ball of string called self, and as they tugged at stubborn knots, each hid his searching from the other. Sometimes she cried at night and begged the whispering darkness to tell her who she was, He lay beside her, snoring like a hibernating bear, unaware of her winter. She took a course in modern art, trying to find herself in colors splashed upon a canvas, complaining to other women about men who are insensitive. He climbed into a tomb called the office, wrapped his mind in a shroud of paper figures, and buried himself in customers. Slowly the wall between them rose, cemented by the mortar of indifference. One day, reaching out to touch each other, they found a barrier they could not penetrate, and recoiling from the coldness of the stone, each retreated from the stranger on the other side. For when love dies, it's not in a moment of angry battle, nor when fiery bodies lose their heat. It lies panting, exhausted, expiring, at the bottom of a wall it could not scale. uh, That's quite an indictment about husbands and wives who have allowed too much time and distance to pass between their relationship. And I can only say one thing in response. Don't let that happen to you. Do everything you can to protect your marriage. Contact Focus on the Family for help today. We're here for you. We have Christian counselors who can help. Uh, So many resources for your family and you as a couple. And we have Hope Restored, which is our marriage intensive uh, for couples who are about ready to give up. Let me just add, that has an 80-plus percent save rate when we go back and do our survey work two years later. Uh, Don't be in that situation. Contact us today, and let's see what God wants to do to transform your marriage. 
We're a phone call away. Uh, our number is 800, the letter A and the word family. Uh, that's 800-232-6459, where you can find out more about Hope Restored and all the great resources we have for you at focusonthefamily.ca. And let me also recommend Kevin's book, The Intimate Connection. There is so much encouragement and practical advice in this resource. You can order your copy directly from Focus on the Family Canada today. And when you do, those proceeds will help save and strengthen marriages, equip moms and dads to be better parents, and spread the good news of Jesus Christ. So whatever you can give will be greatly appreciated. And you can make your monthly pledge when you call 800, the letter A, and the word family. Or, uh, again, donate and request Dr. Lehman's book at focusonthefamily.ca. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for joining us today for Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller inviting you back as we once again help you and your family thrive in Christ. Christ.